Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Sarley, my partner is Dave Kranz, and we are always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, most informative, most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. Yes, they sure do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget our website, wefishasa.com. Our executive producer down in Lando Lakes, Florida, is Brad Nierman from Berserk Productions, getting pretty close to having that baby, Brad and Olivia. Best of luck to you. We're dying to find out that everything turns out great in your lives. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. We're going to have a visit with Kara Davison. She is representing Bass Pro Shops, who is staging the World's Fishing Fair, benefiting conservation, it's called The Greatest Fishing Show and Sale on Earth, March 30th through April the 3rd, featuring country superstars like Luke Bryan and Dirks Bentley, uh, celebrities like Dale Earnhardt Jr., phenomenal race car driver, and superstars of fishing like Bill Dance, Jimmy Houston, Kevin Van Dam, Rick Klum, and so forth. Kara Davis is going to tell us all about that. Then I'll get to visit with one of my favorites, Elite angler John Cruz, he had a big win last month, and he's going to tell us all about it. And I think you're going to learn some things about bass fishing that you're going to be very happy that you listened to this interview with the one and only John Cruz. But first, let's flip it over to Dave Kranz, who's going to bring on Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston. Hey Dave, thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. Always a pleasure, and uh, we're we're seeing some nicer weather uh, across the country after having some pretty bad storms the last week. Cold all the way down into Florida and the southern states, and snow in uh, Tennessee and Kentucky. Pretty crazy. But I want to talk about uh, fish movement early spring this summer because it's time, isn't it? It is, and it's one of our best times to catch the biggest fish of the year, all species, <laughs> you know, because they're going through their transition from wintering areas. You know, we can take this however you want to take it, but there's a, there's a lot to get our, I, I think it's important to understand some, you know, pillar foundational things of the next month and a half to enable us to be successful. And I'm talking about the Midwest, but this happens all over the place. Obviously, we don't get ice down in Florida, but we do have different seasons and seasonality in fishing definitely matters. Yeah, they get those cold fronts just like we had them, and uh, and they may not shut down for several days or a week, but they shut down sometimes only for a day because the next day it's 75 again, but those fish still feel that. Well, in Florida, more than where I'm from, in Iowa, cold fronts, they just don't bite, and up here you can still catch them. You just got to be really creative. Yep, yeah, because they can't stop eating for as many cold fronts as we get. Um, yeah, we can we can run it in, um, you know, bass, uh, crappies, panfish, you know, and because they, many of those are going to do about the same thing. I, uh, you know, when you get into pike and walleye, that's a little different game. But, uh, you know, almost everywhere in the cra uh, country has bass and uh, panfish. So let's, let's, let's key it in on that. What, what are some key things to look for early? Well, the key thing is an under, and this is just my opinion, but the key thing is a full understanding of what's going on. And people out there are going to go, well, of course, you know, water's warming up, but it's much, much more than that. I mean that from two fronts. Number one, understand that fish are going from a setup mentality, food mentality to a spawning mentality, and then back to a food mentality and a rest and recover period. So we have to fully understand that by species. When do, uh, Kentucky spotted bass spawn, when do black bass spawn, when do crappie spawn, when do bluegill spawn, and arguably most importantly, when do shad spawn. When we understand all of these things, it can really help us understand the, the, the strategy behind it because all of these things happen not at the same time. For example, one of the best things you can ever fish on the planet is a bluegill bed for bass. And it is also important to understand how to target bass after their spawn and they're in their recovery stage. So we need to first 
go back to school and understand when these things happen. We under, we need to understand when crayfish get active, what water temperature. And all once we understand that, then everything starts to make sense. And, you know, Mother Nature throws us that curveball where we read the book and everything's perfect and we go out and go catch them. I get it. But the better we understand that, the more successful we're going to be beyond the shadow of a doubt. Yeah, because as the water warms, everything you're saying is is uh, first food, and that's that's they have to have that to get through the spawn, and they and they as the metabolism increases, so do, do their appetite. So I think that's that's uh, great to bring that up because it is the most important thing. They're gonna they're gonna where they're gonna go for for their first big meal after things start to warm up. So um, what kind of areas do you look in? I know we've done episodes similar to this before, but uh, first places to start. The right bottom substrate is number one for me always. Then obviously you want to try to find relatively protected areas to get some sunshine. You need to understand what fish spawn on. Um, for example, a white crappie will spawn on different things than a, than a largemouth bass will. A black crappie is much above a very hard substrate spawner. Um, you know, shad, shad will get into flooded willows in the morning and do it. So it's, you know, I, that's, that's the point. So when, it, when the questions ask me, what do I look for, totally depends on where that water is. For example, if it's 60, 62, 65, I'm looking for largemouth locked down. If it's, if it's in the mid-50s, I'm looking for pre-spawn largemouth, but some of those black crappies will really be starting to look at the spawn because everything happens in a process. Bluegills will bed up after the bass. So when when it, in terms of what I'm looking for, it's going to depend on the water temperature. And I know I have a pretty good understanding of what does what when. So that's what drives everything for me, you know, and, and I think that another thing to remember is a lot of times it's a matter of just looking and finding the right area where, you know, they're going to be, even if they're not quite there yet. Like if I'm going to go out and fish an area the water is in the mid fifties, but I know it's going to be 65, 70 degrees all week. And I can't go until the following weekend. I might be fishing, but also looking for areas when I, where I know they're going to be in six, seven days, if that makes sense. So and again, it all, it all goes back to fully understanding when the crayfish come out and start to do their thing. You did that waters in the fifties when that happens. Um, when is the shad spawn? When do crappies go up? When do bluegills go up? And understanding that is gold. So the first time uh, you put your your boat in uh, on all lakes have areas or bays or sides of the lake that warm up quicker just because of the angle of the sun. Um, Let's tell the listeners a little bit about uh, when you go out. um, You don't know what the temperature is yet. You don't know what's going on. So where are you going to go look for the warmest water? North exposed coves where the sun travel is the sun's hitting the uh, that those areas longer than something that's exposed to the south there's no question about that um however there's certain times i would want to go to a south exposed cove if i want to fish pre-spawn fish instead of fish that are locked up which sometimes can be easier to catch and catch them in bigger numbers so that's the point that i'm trying to make you, you can get a big enough lake where you can fish two completely different patterns for the same species Absolutely. Matter of fact, most lakes are that way. But but if, if to answer the question directly on where we look for, for fish that are going to spawn up, then you want to look for bottom substrate, protected areas, um, and then you want to look for the first area you want to look for in terms of time of year would be areas that gets the most sun, and that would be the north exposed coves or the north part of the lake. Excellent. So when you go to a lake that you know, do you have areas that that's, it's the same year after year or does that change? They do it every year in lakes that I know uh, like clockwork. As a matter of fact, it's amazing how Mother Nature works because bluegills notoriously will be in the same places every year. And, and a lot of that is because they prefer, all fish for that matter, prefer the right bottom substrate. I mean, a white crappie will spawn on about anything. You can see them on the top of a log. You can see bass there too if you, if you get a hard enough uh, substrate under it. But um, it, it's just a matter of fully understanding what these fish spawn on. So on a lake, if I go to year after year, my home lake, for example, there's a giant bluegill bed in the same spot every single year. And I can, I can find it with uh, side imaging every time I go by it every year. And it's a bass haven uh, post-spawn for largemouth. Excellent. Is there a, um, um, 
a key temperature that you like to um, find to when the fish are more active, or it just depends on the stage that they're in? Well, let's talk about that. Okay, so let's let's just go through the chronology here. And I'm going to wing this completely off the top of my head. But you got black crappies, then white crappies, right? Yep. Then you've got your Kentucky spotted bass. Then you've got your largemouth. Then you have your bluegill, and the shad and the bluegill deals pretty close to the same time. So think about that. And there's actually multiple shad spawns. There's one before that too. So that's what I'm talking about and, and fully understanding the chronology in which that happens because people are kidding themselves if they think that bass don't feed on crappie and we all know they feed on bluegill and we certainly know they feed on shad so why are we throwing a fluke or a white swim jig in a certain scenario versus a bluegill swim jig in another scenario most people will say well Dan that's because they're throwing in vegetation up north and bluegills live up there well that's part of it but a bigger part of it is that angler knows when those bluegill are active. That's a bigger part of it. So I, I, I think that, again, I, I thought about this topic. I just got it just before this call, but that's the biggest point that I would try to make to people. Believe me, I didn't figure all this out. I was taught this years ago, that philosophy by a much better angler than I am. And uh, I, I think it gives you that foundation of understanding where whether you've been on a new, been on the lake or not, regardless of the time of spring it is, it's a great foundation to start with. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to start looking and that, that's good advice. And uh, I think the most important thing is just get out and go, go fishing and, and, and start at some point. You just, just got to go. And um, is um, there a difference for, between the rivers and lakes as far as that starting temperature or not? Well, the starting temperature, no, but obviously current becomes a huge factor. Now, I get we have we can get wind current on lakes, and that's what I mean by protected areas. You want to try to get off of things like that, but on the river, it's imperative. They're not going to spawn in areas that have high current, but it's exactly what you want to be looking for late summer, early fall. So that's the whole point. And in a river, you want to look at areas, it's twofold. You want to find the right bottom substrate that's off current. And, and hopefully it's not a scenario where the bottom drops out of it. That's the biggest challenge on rivers. And when the water goes, and here's another thing that, that's really important to understand in a river. If fish start to look and they find the right bottom substrate, assuming you have a decent water clarity, that water can go up and they'll stay on that substrate. In other words, they'll, they'll stay on what they really like to spawn on, even if it's four foot deep versus, you know, three foot deep because they prefer that bottom substrate. No, that's good advice as always. Definitely appreciate it. Uh, up against the clock, but always good talking to you, Dan, and appreciate it and look forward to talking to you next week. Yeah, let's just get out on the water, man. It's here, it's right on top of us now. It's time, it's gonna be uh, nicer in the next three months <laughs> than it has been the last three. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Dave. That was Dan Johnston. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. 
Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say everyone I have on this program has a passion for the outdoors. My next guest certainly does. Uh, she is Cara Davison, Senior Vice President of Dealer Sales and Support Services with White River Marine Group, and they are part of the Bass Pro Shops. Welcome to the program, Cara. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having us this morning. Oh, no. With you. I, excellent. Glad to have you here. You got something really important coming up here. World's Fishing Fair coming up on March 30th through April 3rd. It's the 50th anniversary. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, and I know you're excited about it. We, we sure are. So we've been planning this for quite some time. Bass Pro Shops was founded in 1972 by Johnny Morris. And 50 years later, he still sits at the helm as our leader and as our and as our um, founder day-to-day in the day-to-day business. I think that's hard for some to believe. But, you know, he wanted to recreate the second uh, storied iteration, of, if you will, of the World's Fishing Fair that was that was first held here in Springfield in 1988, and that fair boasted over 200,000 anglers and their families here to the Ozarks, welcomed them here to the Ozarks, and so he, uh, some some decades later, is recreating this event uh, for the 50th anniversary to to kick that off as we celebrate our 50th year and the calendar year 2022. So it'll be here right in our backyard, our granddaddy store at Campbell and Sunshine here in Springfield, Center City, Springfield, if you've been to to Springfield before. And it also that campus boasts to the Wonders of Wildlife Aquarium and Museum, which is a tremendous, a tremendous aquarium and museum if you haven't been. So you can, lots to do when you get here. and like you said, March 30th through April the 3rd, uh, we're going to probably shut Springfield down for a bit. I, I think it sounds like Dave. <laughs> it's going to be busy there, and, and uh, hopefully the weather's going to cooperate and people can travel and get there nicely. And it's, it is spring, and it is a time when the uh, outdoorsmen are... Uh, they're ready to get back out, especially having been cooped up the last couple of years in many cases. But that really hasn't hurt the uh, outdoor industry. So many people have come into fishing, and and I think that will probably uh, help the attendance there to get many, many people there to uh, enjoy uh, what you have to offer. And, you know, what are some of the uh, the highlights? What what can people expect to, to see when they attend? Yes, so we're kicking off a we're kicking off a special concert series for conservation. So if you go to BassPro.com, you'll see all of the star-studded lineup that will have a concert every evening. And actually, Dave, there's another concert set to launch today that's not out there yet, so it's a pretty big deal. Um, we all like country music and the outdoors, so a lot of country fans, a lot of our outdoor pros, legendary anglers, Bill Dance, Jimmy Houston, Roland Martin, they were all there in 1988 bringing them back here in, in 2022. So that's always exciting to see those guys and hug them around the neck. Um, also, you know, the likes of Ott Defoe and Kevin Van Dam, Hank Parker, Edwin Evers, all the all the big names, Randy Howell, they'll all be there. So that's very exciting too. We have uh, Paw Patrol for the kiddos. We'll have Dude Perfect for that teenage group. Um, just so much to do, so much to see. We'll have over 500,000 square feet of outdoor um, equipment and tackle and some big bargain tents, if you will, and truckload sales. And, and the number they're saying is there's over $10 million worth of um, bargain priced tackle ready to sell, ready to, as you mentioned, gear up for the spring fishing and just get go outdoors. And you're right, the pandemic for us um, on the boat side of the business, as well as in the stores, has just brought a tremendous amount of uh, folks that might not have otherwise resorted to the outdoors, you know, introduced them into the lifestyle. Our boat sales are off the charts, continue to be, and traffic through the stores is at an all-time high. We're so thankful for that. You know, if anything, if anything good um, has, has come from the pandemic, I think it's the resurgence of America and the world really back into the great outdoors, looking for ways to quarantine with their family to get away from all the hustle and bustle. And, and it has done it in a very robust fashion for us. So we're so thankful to be in this industry and, and to be uh, you know just a, a bit of relief and a bit of peace out there for the families that have sought that for the last couple of years 
Absolutely. And all those pros that you mentioned, uh, we've had the pleasure of interviewing, I believe, all of them multiple times. Of course, not the foe wins multiple tournaments. You have him on. Uh, and of course, you know, Jimmy and Hank, those guys are, are just legends and it's great to have them on. But anybody who hasn't had the chance to meet these guys face to face and talk to them for a couple minutes, it is worth your time just to go to talk to them. And and yes, the, the outdoor industry, I believe, has brought families back together. I think it's taught us that our economy doesn't need to be 24-7. I think it, it helps slow it down and bring families back together, do things in the outdoors, boating, fishing, camping, hiking, all the things, uh, all those things, uh, bicycling, they're all flourishing because of the fact that we uh, we were given this gift of we had to slow down. So we all appreciate that. Uh, uh, the three days, spoken. I'm sorry. And sometimes we get spoken to in mysterious ways to kind of stop us in our tracks and, and make us think about what really matters. And, you know, I can't, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that, you know, there's a little something for everybody at this event too. We have PBR, professional bull riding. We have a, a great affiliation with them. Um, and also, um, also NASCAR, if, if there's something for everybody. If you're a NASCAR fan, professional bull riding, angling, outdoor pros, you name it, it will all be there at this event. And that's good because I think of so many of those people that, that participate in, in the outdoors and bull riding and NASCAR, they're, I, I believe so many of them are the same people. They do, they, they, they like the same type of things and it's, uh, they gravitate to that. And the fact that they can come to uh, one place and see all of that is going to be uh, quite the attraction. Now, you're going to have a lot of um, uh, manufacturers and dealers there helping uh, uh, show their products. We will. We will have over 200 exhibits, and that's from about over 150 uh, vendors and suppliers, so that's really exciting, too. All of this, you know, we've enjoyed a couple of decade-long relationship now with Toyota. This is presented by Toyota, and I can tell you that this is pretty exciting. Uh, there's $250,000 in prizes given away with drawings every single hour. But there will be a chance over the five days to win at the end of the at the end of the event a chance to win a 2022 Toyota Tundra truck, a Bass Tracker Classic XL, and a Tracker Off Road ATV. So three huge prizes being given at the at the end of this great event, and you know so much of that brought to us by our friends at Toyota. Yeah, Toyota sponsors a lot of things in the outdoor world, uh, and fishing is is one major one that they they do, and they do a great job at it. And uh, it, it's great for everybody to support the sponsors that 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 help our industry and and uh, help all of this. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the uh, conservation efforts of uh, what Bass Pro does for them. Yes, you know it was it was funny. John shared with us um, in a recent GM meeting that we had. He does a lot of conference calls with the stores and staying very connected to what's going on across the nation. But you know, he, he shared with us that that you know over fifty years. And if you go on and actually watch on BassPro.com and actually watch the nineteen eighty eight reel from the World's Fishing Fair in nineteen eighty eight, you'll see that and understand that his 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 passion and commitment to the great outdoors is, is really what he's rooted in. And even back in 1988, um, originally it said half of the proceeds from the from the gates and from the various events were going back into conservation. He ended up donating all of that back into conservation. And that was, you know, like I said, many decades ago. And, and even as recently as a couple of weeks ago, he shared with us in a GM call that that, you know, what percent of our revenue every year goes back into conservation? And, you know, Dave, I don't think there's um, a, a lot of folks that, that can say that or, you know, many outdoor companies that are as actively involved in the various conservation groups that we are. And in Bass Pro Shops over the last 50 years, um, the result has been that we are the single um, largest lifetime industry donor of many groups such as Ducks Unlimited, the National Wild Turkey Federation, um, the IGFA, and, and many more. So I think that that is a you know a, a big part of the of the uh, of the outdoors is the fact that you know we give back as a company back into conservation to to secure the many sports that we serve through all of our Bass Pro and White River brands. 
Yeah, and I and I believe that every company that is in the uh, outdoors should should work towards that, towards trying to help uh, clean waters, clean air, everything that the uh, wildlife needs, and and in helping the fisheries, we're helping all the other wildlife that uses those properties and and uh, nest in them or migrates through them. Uh, it's it's and ourselves, just uh, you know, without uh, uh, clean air, clean water, and somewhere to grow crops on that we can eat or harvest from, what do we really have? Nothing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, it, it's all good, and I think we all need to be uh, uh, taking care of what we have, and uh, so that so that the next generation can go fishing. And fifty years from now, on the hundredth anniversary, um, you know, <laughs> probably uh, uh, Johnny won't be there, and I won't be there, but you know, others will, and and they'll remember uh, the things of the people that that helped uh, in conservation and, and help grow the st- sport because many of us have a passion for it as as you do and probably most of the employees there. So March 30th through April 3rd, 50th anniversary, World's Fishing Fair. How do they find out more information? What's the website? You bet. If you go to BassPro.com, there's a banner right there at the at the front on the landing page and, and that will be loaded. Check back often, frequently. That's, you know, energy grows energy around here and you can't ever outthink our founder, that's for sure. And so there's something new posted out there and um, throughout the day. And like I said earlier, there'll be some pretty major concert announcements made via that via that vehicle. So you'll want to take a look at that and the 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 costing for the events or anything that you might want to to know about the event there's also hotel links we're partnered with several hotels around the springfield area that are offering world fishing fair um, rooms so that's exciting all of the links are there on that page as well and um you know i think uh the the America Sport Fishing Fishing Association uh, President Glenn Hughes will be on site with us too, um, having a seminar actually on how people can get more involved in fisheries conservation. So that's exciting as well. So just, I mean, again, it's kind of a star-studded event of the outdoor community, and you know, you alluded to it, and I would say as well that that you know we're all in this to to grow the sport of the of enjoying the great outdoors be it through hunting boating fishing kayaking off-roading whatever you want to do whatever you want to see it'll all be here at bass pro shops 50th anniversary at the world's fishing fair here in springfield missouri march 30th through april 3rd excellent excellent we thank you for being on the uh, podcast and uh, glad we could help you promote this and uh, get down there enjoy it Uh, thank you for being on yeah our pleasure we'll talk to you soon and we'll see everybody in a couple weeks absolutely that was Cara Davison Senior Vice President of Dealer Sales and Support Services with White River Marine Group part of Bass Pro Shops I am Dave Cran, Steve Seiler's Remote, and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We will be right back after these messages. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. 
Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner, Dave Kranz, is remote. Very proud to bring back somebody. We've had him on before. Always happy to talk to him. He's one of the good guys in the business, an excellent fisherman, an excellent businessman. And he just won a huge Bassmaster Elite event down at the St. John's River in Florida. Please join me in welcoming John Cruz. Hey, John, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, buddy? I'm doing just fine. I am doing just fine. I uh, want to talk to you about a number of things, uh, but first of all, let's let's get the fi- let's get to the fishing. Uh, this uh, this event you want a four day event at uh, the St. John's River to me was one of the most exciting events I had followed in quite a while. Maybe not as exciting for you, although winning's got to be a, a throw and a half. You had this thing pretty much in control, but you had people weighing in huge fish. You had guys biting at your heels constantly. You had uh, John Cox with an incredible day of fishing on an unbelievable bag. You had a, a, a northerner that we don't hear too often, Bob Downey, had two of the best days of fishing uh, in a tournament you could possibly put together, he was, uh, you know, a day or two shy of doing what he had to do. But it, it just, this tournament brought in all of the elements of an incredibly exciting tournament and a great way in. Was it as exciting for you? Yeah, it, it really was, man. It, um, you know, it started out with the bang for me. Uh, I had a deep water deal going when it was a little colder in practice and I didn't, I didn't know that I could catch 28 pounds doing it, but I thought that I'd be able to have a respectable bag and be, you know, be in contention uh, the first day. And, man, it just kind of all fell together. Uh, ended up, you know, just, it seemed like every fish was, was a good one. Um, I mean, I caught a number of small ones, but, but it really it just kind of, you know, I blew it out with that 28 pounds the first day and then was just able to, you know, kind of defend off the rest of the field uh, for the for the following three days, and then that was the that was the difference. I was able to be consistent for the next three days. Did Did you believe those guys coming at you as hard and fast as they did? Man, I've I've fished there before, so I know uh, you know people can come from nowhere and win the tournament. I remember uh, when I finished fifth, and and Rick Clun won. You know, he had a 35-pound bag that last day, and I believe he came from, like, fifth or sixth place and won the tournament. So it, it, I've, I've seen it before, and I, I just caught everything that I could catch, and uh, luckily it was it was enough to hold off everybody. I'm guessing that uh, the Harris Chain – I'm sorry, the uh, St. John's River has got to be one of your favorite places because in addition to this win here, you've uh, had a second and a fifth in there. Uh, it almost seems like you own that body of water. <laughs> it, uh, it is. I've got, I've got a couple of not so good finishes there as well, but I've definitely got a handful of, of really good ones. And um, I don't know, it's something about that place that just kind of clicks with me. You know, there's the tidal portion of it, which which I like. You know, I grew up fishing on the James River and the, and the Potomac River in Virginia. So the, the tidal thing is something that's almost second nature when I get on a tidal river. And uh, and then the Florida aspect of the the tidal portion is a little unique. You know, there's not many fisheries in Florida that, that have that tidal influence like it, like they do there at the St. John's. But I really enjoy it. it. It keeps the fish moving, and you have to kind of stay on top of what they're doing. And uh, and, and you have to remember when you go when you go when you get bit, and uh, you got to go back at the same tide. And that's that's something that I think baffles a lot of anglers there. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I always uh, uh, ask people a lot of things. Nobody likes to say they have a, a fault or a weakness, but I think more guys will tell me that they have more trouble figuring out waterways that are affected by tides than anything else. Uh, and I think that uh, your explanation for that was really, really good. Can Can you get into a little more in-depth? Because most anglers... Uh, that are listening to this have never been affected by uh, uh, by tides on wor- on the waterways that they fish. What exactly happens in waters like this that are tide affected? Right. So, so tidal influenced 
bodies of water, uh, you know, all the other tidal rivers, they have, um, you know, every six hours the water, basically every six hours the water will come in, and then six hours it goes out. And it's all, all moon-related. The moon controls the tides. Um, the, it's the gravitational pull of the moon that makes the tides, uh, that makes the water go up and down. Uh, so that's kind of the factor. And each day the tide gets approximately 50 minutes to an hour later. Uh, so if you catch fish one day and then you want to make sure you, you duplicate that a couple days later, you, you need to be three hours later. Um, and so yeah. but if, the simple fact of it is to, to recognize when you get bit on higher water versus when you get bit on uh, lower water or you know, incoming versus outgoing. And those, those are kind of the four, the four phases that you look for uh, when you get bit on a tidal fishery. And then the more you fish on a tidal fishery, you'll, you'll come to understand that during the spawn, they, they like higher water. They like, they like water over their head. They don't like the real low water. But then in the summertime and in the fall, they like lower water. They like it real skinny so they can feed, feed a little more efficiently. Um, so that's the, you know, the, the short version, if you will, of, uh, of tidal water. How fast does it go from uh, the, the lowest level to the highest level? How long does it take to make that switch? I'm sorry, say that one more time, please. How long does it take to make that switch between its highest level and its lowest level? Uh, the, you, know, when it, you mean about how long does it take from to go from you know water coming up high water to yeah yeah. Uh, um, well, the, the, when the tide turns, it's approximately. Uh, just you know, five to fifteen minutes of, of kind of slack, slack tide, dead water. Okay. And it, in in general, uh, high water, high tide, slack tide is is like it is it is truly dead water. Um, and if you're in the summertime and you're fishing that dead slack low tide, that can be really good because uh, a lot of times what happens that that's the lowest water that those fish are going to see in that cover. And it frees them up to kind of run around a little bit because, you know, tidal water, fish move around. They don't stay in one place for, throughout the entire tide cycle. They just don't do that. They move around um, and, and, you know, reposition as the tide gets higher or lower. But on that low water in the summertime or, you know, when they're feeding, they like that low water. It comes down. It allows them to kind of sneak out a little bit into the edge of the channel to where there's real stiff current. It, they can sneak out into that channel and kind of kind of scope around and see if they can they can snag something. So on that on the dead low tide, I don't mind fishing it in the summertime. Not so much in the spawn, but then uh, but then the high water yeah high water high tide seems to be a little more of a dead period. That is, that is interesting, and I would like to see that uh, for myself some point. I'm more used to uh, rivers where they control the uh, they control the current and the depth. Uh, through the use of, uh, you know, uh, opening and closing the locks uh, uh, to let water in and out. And I know that fish freak out. Even though this happens on a daily basis, they just seem to lose their minds when it happens. And it takes them a little while to, to figure it out, that everything's okay, and go back to go back to the way they behave. Uh, that would be very interesting to see uh, and, and not something you see all the time. Well, one thing I want to ask you is I, I didn't notice – I, I do know that you had to uh, go through locks to fish down at the St. John's River, correct? Um, you can go through the lock. Uh, I guess it's called the Bushman Lock there on the, off of the St. John's in order to get into Rodman Reservoir. Uh, so Rodman Reservoir is a, you know, it's, it's just, it's a Florida lake, but it's technically man-made. I mean, very few of the lakes in Florida are man-made. Uh, none of the big ones, you know, Okeechobee's, it's a natural lake, but it's been altered with the rim ditch and the, um, all that kind of stuff. And the, you know, the, the berm that goes around it to protect the, uh, um, the communities around the lake, but the majority of the lakes, those are all natural lakes. You know, those lakes have been there since the dawn of time, basically. And they, they're natural. Rodman is not a natural lake. That was the Ocklawaha river that got dammed up. And it, it created just a, an absolute trophy bass lake. There are some absolute giants. 
that live in Rodman Reservoir. Uh, normally, in our you know bass fishing competitions with artificial lures, we don't catch those 12s and, and 14s that live in there, uh, but they catch them on shiners. I mean, like, here in the springtime, almost every week they catch 10s and, I mean, just a ton of 8s and 10s. And uh, yeah, I know one of the shiner guys uh, told one of the other competitors when they were putting in during the tournament practice period that he had caught a 12, a 10, and a bunch of 8s that day with his guide clients. Uh, so the Rodman is it's kind of a unique situation, but what they built Rodman for was so that they could elevate the Okaloaha River and transport barges from one side of Florida to kind of to the other. Um, and that was done years and years ago, and it's still that lock is still operational. But the barge traffic is basically eliminated. They don't. They just don't use that anymore. That that is interesting. You know, and I, I've uh, I've talked to uh, a lot of those guys that guide. Uh, for big bass with shiners, and in addition to uh, those wild shiners being the bait of choice, um, you look at some of these guys at their at their calendars, and and they may be booked two years out based on moon phases. Uh, do, do you? I realize that you have no control over that in tournament fishing. But do you follow moon phases, and do your eyes light up when you see uh, the right moon phase is occurring in a tournament situation? Um, I, I look at it, but the, the weather is much more of, a, of an influence on, like, the spawn and the fish, you know, big waves of big fish moving up to to spawn. That, that's, that's a lot more important in, like, January, February, and even into March. In, in Florida, when you're looking at the weather patterns, it's, it's the weather patterns are king, and really, what spawn what what spurns on the spawn is a cold front. So if you have a cold front, like a, a real severe cold front, and then you have a, a massive warming trend on the backside of it, it, somewhere in January, February, or even in March, that will kick up a wave of spawners that are that are going to come up. And if that coincides with the full moon, that's going to be even that much stronger. Uh, but if, if that cold front happens during a full moon, bro, and there's, they're not moving up. I'm just telling you right now, it's not going to happen. They're not going to, they're not going to come up. If that water temperature is taking a big dip in Florida largemouth, they say, no, thank you. Excellent. Excellent explanation. I'm going to take a real quick break. Uh, I want to get into more of this. Uh, we're here on We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley with the one and only John Cruz, Bassmaster Elite Champion on the St. John's River. We'll talk about his career. We'll talk about his endeavor in the bait business, amongst other things. We Fish ASA will be right back with more John Cruz right after this. For most anglers, the unexpected is... Expected, but what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry docked for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com slash overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. 
We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sarley. Dave Kranz is remote. John Cruz is also remote, but we're happy to have him uh, connected via telephone. He is on his way to a tournament. I I don't know how you guys keep track of where you're going. You are constantly on the move this time of year, and it doesn't let up for a number of months, John. Yeah, man. uh, You know, sometimes I feel like I'm lucky just to have clean underwear, and then, uh, you know, sometimes you run out, so you have to just you just go to Walmart and buy you some more. I've been there and done that one too. Oh, uh, yeah. Tis the season, man. Hey, you know, you're ta- we're talking about weather, and I think that this particular win that you scored on the St. John's River uh, was amazing because weather was definitely a factor. Yeah, the majority of the fish there were, were not spawning. There were some starting to move up. It was getting wet, warm during the week of the event. But the, the two to three weeks prior to our event, it, it had been cold. I mean, it, it had been like the coldest coldest weather of the whole year so the, the water had a little ways to go before those fish were going to be going to be ready to spawn when you know uh, when you knew that this was announced st john's river in february did you anticipate that they would be spawning i i was predicting that they would not be spawning and it was it was not one on spawning fish bob Denny was not catching spawning fish he was catching staging fish that were coming in to spawn, but they were not spawning. And then, um, yeah, I mean, John Cox is probably the one that, that caught the most spawning fish. But even even he went on his on his. He had like two spawning fish days, and then uh, the other two days were actually mostly just fishing. And you know, and he told me that a number of fish moved up during the event, um, but it was just a little bit too early. If it was if it was three or four or five days later, it would have been a, a straight up sight fishing deal and he would have been tough to beat. I, I always say bass or bass, it doesn't make a difference where you're fishing. Bass operate uh, uh, in the same way wherever you go, but in all honesty, when, when the water started, when, when the weather started warming up down there on the St. John's River, it seemed like they reacted much quicker to the warming trend than they do on northern lakes. It, it, do you think that's true? I do. I do. I do. You know, the, the water in Florida, by and large, is, is very tannic, black-looking, and uh, if you get two or three days of sunshine, it can really jump the, uh, the jump that water temperature, and that's what that's what those fish love. And, and like I, like I was talking about earlier, they had had two weeks of cold temperatures, so those those bass were ready to go. They were ready and wanting to move up and get on the beds. But they were just waiting for that water to warm up. And so they, for two weeks, they had been kind of in that pressure cooker, so to speak, of wanting to go and hadn't been able to because the water hadn't been warm enough. But then during our tournament, it, it, it popped some, a couple of sunny days, got pretty hot, and uh, there was a number of fish that started to move up. Um, and I, I just I committed not to doing that because I just felt like uh, my best chance to win the tournament was, was to just go for fish while fishing. Everybody caught. Everybody that caught fish seemed to be catching them at different places, different structure, different uh, uh, different types of water. How, how did you decide where you're going to fish, and how much of a factor was the use of your electronics? Yeah, I mean that the experience that I've had on on the river really played a, a big part. Um, I was I was concentrating on in practice of trying to find areas where the fish were staging and like gonna gonna going to move into spawn so the first day of practice i went way south um that's that's kind of the home run the home run area i went way south and i was looking for grass or some sort of structure out away from in out in front of the spawning areas where those fish were going to be ganged up and i never found it i never found it i um uh, it was kind of a strikeout day and I said, okay, well, that, and, that, and that's an area I had never fished during a tournament. Uh, so the next day, I went up to Rodman. Again, a, not an area I'd ever fished in an Elite Series tournament. I practiced one day there last year, 
and I just I couldn't get comfortable. I didn't figure it out. So then I went back up with really kind of a different philosophy, different mentality. This year I went up there and, and just uh, after a couple hours started catching some fish and, and started putting together a little bit of a pattern on some deeper water where those fish had kind of backed out to uh-huh. when the weather cooled down. And that, that proved to be what what carried me that first day of the tournament and catching that 20-pound stringer, that, those deeper water fish. And even the second day, I caught one four-and-a-half to five-pounder plus four other keepers out in that 12 to 25 feet of water where I caught that limit the first day. And, uh, and, then, and then after that, that, those fish were leaving. It was done. I never caught another fish out there on day three or day four. That, that deep water deal was done. It was pretty, uh, pretty interesting to see it, you know, in real time, just those fish leaving. Interesting, interesting. It's a great story, a great tournament. Hey, you know, I, I, I had uh, I interviewed Jason Christie last week who won the Classic, and uh, yep. he was uh, switching back and forth between uh, spinning equipment and bait casting equipment, and lo and behold, you won this uh, St. John's River event and the same thing, spinning and bait casting. I'm thinking if That's we right. if we go back to your first victory in the elites, which I have a very hard time believing was 12 years ago. It just seems like you just started a few years ago. Uh, you're a, you're a seasoned pro, but 12 years ago, I'm imagining you didn't have a spinning rod in your hand, and most of the guys didn't. Is this uh, is this really coming on strong that people are using it in? more situations than just fishing northern Clearwater lakes for smallmouth? Uh, it's, I, I fish a, I usually keep a spinning rod on the deck for some sort of technique on, on almost every event, at least one or two, um, you know, outside of the, the northern smallmouth situations. Uh, it just, it's part of the way I fish, you know, whether it's, uh, whether it's a drop shot or a power drop shot or a Neko rig or, you know, a wacky worm. So, you know, something along shaky head, something along those lines. I'll keep one handy uh, for most every tournament. But, you know, when I won that tournament out in California, I, I didn't catch a single fish on a spinning rod. Everything, 100% of the fish were on a baitcaster. I caught one fish on a Little John, and everything else came on a baitcaster with a Texas or, or a punching rig and, and, and fishing heavy grass. That was uh, pretty much how that, that tournament got won. Hey, man, if, if all of a sudden next year they were announcing the schedule for 2023 and said, we're doing it again, we're going back to California Delta, what would you think about that? I'd be thinking I hope these gas prices come down. That's all I'd be thinking about. <laughs> well, you know, you win that $100,000, you can buy all the gas in the world, John. Well, if everybody in the field can't do that, and uh, you'd have to hear uh, 90 dudes uh, complaining about the gas prices uh, because if one dude... I, One dude wins it. It, just, it doesn't make any economical sense, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love California. I love fishing out there. Uh, I like, I love the Delta. I think it's a really, really neat fishery. Clear Lake is amazing. I wish we could fish out there, but they, the last time we went west, they substituted Havasu for Clear Lake. I mean, Havasu is an amazing lake. It's a really cool fishery. So uh, no matter where we go out there, I would, I would enjoy it. I would just hope that the. Uh, the cost of getting out there would come down a little bit from where it's at right now. Well, I ask this question of a lot of guys about uh, taking the tour to California for a stop, and usually they try to be very politically correct, and they say, well, I wouldn't mind it, but but I know that if we were connected by video, I'd be looking at them flipping me the bird for even bringing it up because I bet you 90% of the guys have no interest in making that trip out west. Well, I, all the anglers that I mean, it, most everybody loves the fisheries out there, uh, and th- and there's I mean you can't dispute it. They have some amazing fisheries, and, and they have a lot of fans out there. There's a lot of people. I mean, when I won in Sacramento uh, or Stockton, excuse me, I was in, we were in Stockton, man, the massive crowd. I mean, there was you know five six thousand people at least in in the crowd when I won. So it was. Um, and they have a lot of fans out there. They support the tournaments well. But, uh, you know, it's just a long ways from where the majority of the, the rest of the field lives. Yeah, even if they gave you the gas for free, nobody wants to make that drive. Hey, hey man, I got to ask you about this. Uh, you did real well using something called uh, missile baits. 
Uh, and, and I know you're happy to say that because uh, you are the president and owner and founder of Missile Baits, correct? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, the, the bait that I was using on the drop shot was a, were actually some color samples of a little project that we've got coming here. I would guess we'll, we'll probably start shipping them in, in May sometime, but it's a, it's a new worm. It's a collaboration with Rebo Worm. They're making a, they're making a bait for us. And uh, that was the, those were the color samples that I was fishing with. They're our, our unique colors, and they look amazing. And, uh, I mean, the Florida largemouth, they seem to like them. So uh, I think the, the, the fish everywhere else are going to like them as well. But, yeah, then, then the rest of the tournament I caught, you know, met a lot of the fish on, on a uh, jackhammer chatterbait with our little missile bait shockwave on the back. That's kind of a little secret. I know a number of the guys, they fish that. It, it, it makes the chatterbait a little more erratic. Yes. Uh, but then – and I was also throwing a D-bomb on the back of, of some as well when I wanted to get, get that bait up a little bit higher in the water column. And, uh, those were kind of my, my one-two punch on the, on the chatterbait. Excellent. Um, you know, being the owner of a bait company puts you in a whole different category as everybody else. You're, you're, you're doing a tournament. You are a competitor and a, and a good competitor, but you're also uh, flipping your own baits. And you got to be looked at by the other anglers as, boy, here's a guy I'd like him to take me on and sponsor me, or, boy, I don't like this guy because I asked him to sponsor me and he turned me down. Does that affect your fishing or your the interplay with the other guys? Well, the majority of the guys that that we, you know, majority of guys on tour, I've known for a long time, and. And I've known, but even before missile baits, I mean, guys that have been out there the longest, you know, the the Matt Herons and the, the Mark Menendezes and the, the Bill Lowen. I mean, those guys have been out there a while. They've they've got their own relationships. It's usually it's the new guys that come in and don't have sponsor relationships already set up. And and some of those guys, you know, they'll they'll peck around and hunt around. Uh, we added, uh, you know. Not, you know, like year before last, we added Kyle Welcher, and he did a great job for us. But then he got an offer from one of those really big companies that paid him way more than we were able to pay him. And I told him, I said, dude, you're an idiot if you don't take that money. <laughs> uh, so uh, so we, we've had that happen to a couple. We had that happen to uh, Mark Daniels when he was with us. Uh, Mark Daniels we had on our bomb squad before he had even fished any pro tournaments. Uh, and then he worked his way up to the Elite Series, won an Elite Series. Uh, but, but, yeah, he uh, somebody snatched him up from us as well. And uh, But we wished him well. I mean, I'm still good friends with him. But, yeah, I mean, there's business and then there's friendships. And uh, nothing ever has come between that um, that line with, with me and anybody uh, anybody on tour just yet. Because you're a nice guy. And, and I would definitely recommend anybody want to check out Missile Baits, go to missilebaits.store. And you'll see the whole lineup. And I know I've told you this before, John. Missile baits impress me. They're very, very soft and pliable. They, they've got great movement uh, in the water. And I think you have the best palette of colors available on any plastic bait just about today. Uh, it's a very impressive array of baits that you make. People go to missilebaits.store. Check out John Cruz's company. Check out John Cruz at his website. He's all over social media. And John, thanks for being with us, and uh, we wish you the best uh, for the, you know, you've got one under your belt this year. Let's go out and make it two right away, okay? I th I'm hungry for another one, I can promise you that. Uh, I just, I'm looking forward to just trying to be consistent the rest of the year. Just, I want to fish well. I followed up, I followed up that win with a, uh, with a not a very good finish, but I, I don't think that I was fishing bad. I just, I never got that, that break that I needed, so I'm going to just, make sure that I don't have any more bad finishes the rest of the year and uh, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. Hopefully we'll get in contention for another one. Jack Cruz, go get him. Thanks for being with us. Good luck to you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. I uh, look forward to seeing y'all soon. Bye, John. Thanks. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guests, Dan Johnston, great as always, Kara Davison from Bass Pro Shops, talking about the World's Fishing Fair benefiting conservation, the greatest fishing show and ad sale on earth, they call it. All the superstars will be there. 
why I hope Steve gets to go down there too. I'm trying to work out the timing on that right now. And I'd also like to see John Cruz in the near future. Always enjoy talking to him, like to see him in person. He's a wonderful fisherman and a great guy. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered, Daiwa Reels. Remember, there's a new episode of our podcast each and every week, everywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. If you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or somebody we should have on the show, please let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing! I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.